0: The following program was pre-recorded. On WFAN, it's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you, and as always here Saturday mornings, a 30-minute, frank, open, honest conversation about gambling and obviously gambling addiction. Really happy to have with us today a former professional rugby player who's in the UK right now and is doing a lot of work with Epic as well, and that's Mark Potter. Mark, good morning. How are you doing today?
1: Good morning. I'm doing great and great to be on.
0: Thanks. I appreciate you coming on. So you know, your story uh, is interesting to me, and uh, there's some parallels to me from a standpoint of, You know, you were a public figure. You lived your life as a professional rugby player, so people knew who you were. And you also uh, wound up as a compulsive gambler, which nearly cost you everything, including your life. So I appreciate you uh, sharing your story with us. Do you remember the first time you started to wager before it became a problem?
1: Uh it was quite a strange one for me because growing up as a kid, all I really wanted to do was, was play sport. And actually, I came from a, a quite a privileged background where I was given every opportunity to do that. And, and leaving school, I, as soon as I signed into the uh, sort of an academy contract to go and play rugby, uh, prior to that, I hadn't really engaged in much gambling activity at all we did the national lottery at home me my parents and my brother and sister we were talking a dollar a week and that was kind of my only exposure to it um, my dad and my granddad liked to have a, a very small low level punt on the on soccer and the odd horse race but other than that i didn't really know a lot about it but as you can imagine as soon as i went into a adult sports environment that became very different
0: was it because you saw other guys doing it? That's how you got exposed to it. The, the when uh, once you started uh, your professional career,
1: I guess. Look. I- Sport and gambling have, have been intrinsically linked for a long time. So as soon as I went into that environment, we were sponsored by a gambling operator. A few of the higher-profile guys had stakes in racehorses. The boys liked to go to the casino. And we actually had we actually had a betting club at our club, which was on a Thursday afternoon every week. So after training on a Thursday, we'd all shower up, have a coffee, and then go down to the local retail bookmakers, and we'd sort of pool 20, 20 bucks each in and and go from there and it was very low level very much a bit of a team bonding thing and uh i enjoyed it i really did
0: yeah it's kind of like you guys getting together after work going to have a drink or you know talking about girls or that kind of thing so it was very normal i, I it was nothing that was kind of looked at as untoward amongst the guys or even the the community that you guys lived in right
1: very normal, absolutely. it was. We're talking once a week, 20 bucks uh, and, and my dollar a week on the National Lottery on a Saturday, less than $80, $90 a week, so it, $80 a month, so it was very low level and actually really enjoyable, to be honest. Um, you, you get a little bit of a buzz if we had, we had a little group win and we put it towards a day out on for a sure. few drinks or whatever it was and all very manageable and actually i quite liked it so
0: what happened did you uh, go off on your own one day and uh, have you know some kind of big win that made you feel like oh i can do this better than the other guys i'm going to start doing it more
1: for me looking back was i got injured i got injured at 19 and it was quite a serious injury and i was looking at being out for a, for a long period of time and you and anybody else who's ever been involved in sport will know that that's not the greatest thing injuries are probably the worst part of sport and and straight away i i missed what i wasn't getting uh playing training around the boys being around everyone every day having a laugh and i was actually away from that and I missed playing. I missed competing. Uh, I missed the ups and downs of winning and losing. And and actually, I I was bored, and I was looking for other things to occupy my time. and And I guess that was the first thing that set me off on on the path that I took. Um, basically, looking to fill a void. I think.
0: Well, I think two of the biggest things that you know you need uh, the recipe to become a compulsive gambler is uh, to be competitive and to have an ego. And every athlete I've ever met, by default, has both of those. I mean, that's just—it's the nature of being a competitive athlete, especially a professional. So, what happened, Mark? You're 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 out on injury, and you start filling the void by gambling. I assume you know it starts small. Maybe it's a big win, and then the numbers just start kind of doubling and tripling and becoming out of control. Yeah
1: kind of hit the nail on the head Craig is, is it was very small at first it was to fill my afternoons really where I couldn't train or I was out of, of doing my normal day to day things so I looked to fill that time with, with horse racing and soccer were the things that appealed to me um, very low level for, for the first few months really and then I guess the day everything changed I uh, I won 14 grand off of, off of $50 uh, and that, that just Changed everything. It changed how I gambled. It changed the excitement I had. It. I just thought I was the king of the world, and you could kind of do that all the time. And through from literally from that day forward, I went from two and three dollar bets on horses to pass the time to two and three hundred dollar bets literally overnight because I could because I had access to the money. It was winnings. I wasn't risking anything at the time. I was just spending what I'd won. So actually, that gave me a um, a level of assuredness that sure. it didn't really matter if I lost or it didn't really matter if I won. But what it did was it created an environment for me that was ultimately unsustainable when the money ran out. I was only young. I wasn't earning huge amounts of money. and when the money did finally run out six months later i found it really hard to go back to a a manageable level of spend that was affordable to me and actually i didn't want to i'd got used to those hundreds of dollars of bets per horse and i didn't want to give that up i didn't want to i didn't think i'd ever win that kind of money again with small bets so i i set off on a path of Two, three hundred a day at first, and and slowly but surely I started to run out run out of money before the end of the month. I then started to borrow some money off some of the guys at the club and family and friends, and and you can see where it's going. And sure. I then had to start looking for ways of continuing. So that was for me was credit, and I used credit cards and loans at first. And the the next sort of two or three years really were just completely overtaken by either trying to replicate the buzz of how it, how good it was when I first won my money or chase my way out of debt and ultimately chase my losses, which started to happen pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, so I imagine you probably got to a point where now you, you owe a lot of people money. You're borrowing money from everybody. At any point before you hit your rock bottom, which we're definitely going to get to here in a second, did any of the guys uh, that you were tight with or family members come to you and say, hey, Mark... There's something going on, man. You're not yourself. Uh, Let's talk. Did anyone recognize that you were uh, doing stuff like that? Do
1: you know what? They didn't really. The only thing they ever thought was that I wasn't very good with money because I sometimes had to skip uh, events. I sometimes uh, didn't didn't attend things. I, I, I never really had any access to cash, apart from the odd day here and there when I actually won a lot of money. But it, it just nobody really ever asked me. It was did, there was just an assumption that I was really bad with money and I couldn't manage that myself.
0: Got it. And so then, so you get into this hole where you're you're betting now far more than you can afford. You're borrowing money. It's now kind of overtaking your life. Everything you're doing is uh you know, around you know tonight's wager, today's wager, etc. And then I imagine, like the, most of us, there's a moment, and it doesn't, and I should explain this to the audience. You know, when we talk about that, you know, the lowest moment ever, you know, or the final bet, that kind of thing, that sometimes that's a collective thing. Sometimes it's not just one, it's a period of time uh, that ultimately, you know, grabs you by the, the short hairs and makes you, you know, forces you to acknowledge that you have a problem. It's not always a single bet at the end. Where now? Okay, now you got nothing left. Sometimes it's a cumulative effect. But for you, what was that moment in time where you finally you know hit rock bottom and said, "Man, I got a problem."
1: I think it was unfortunately for me, it was over such a long period of time that Mm. it had a massive impact, and actually, an awful lot happened. Life events started to happen. I got a girl pregnant, we had twins, I moved to a different country to go and play an island, I got myself into debt, I, I then obviously suddenly had bills and cars and kids to pay for and tried to stop for a period of time, but only for a short period while I was busy and had enough going on in my brain to not think about gambling was I able to do it and then actually it started to get really bad when I was in Ireland and it went on for years mate it really did I I ended up sort of hiding everything that I did from my partner which is ultimately now my wife I never spent any time with my children Uh, my sport went completely down the pan to the point that I never made anything of it Um, I eventually... Stole money from my boss and my employer um, to try and pay off some debts that I built up from my mortgage and other and other bills, and um, I generally just didn't see another way out. and Actually, my moral compass was so far off that I thought I was doing the right thing by stealing from him. And that led to an arrest, that led to my sacking, that led to a court case. It led really to the point where I realised I had a problem with it, but not to the point that it made me stop. I actually got kicked out of my family home. As you can imagine, my wife, when she found out about all the things I'd done, I'd got sacked, I'd borrowed money, I hadn't paid our mortgage, almost got us kicked out of our family home. Um, all because I didn't ever understand my relationship with gambling even the day I went to court and I was convicted I was convicted of uh, theft fraud and forgery because I stole checks from my employer and I signed them forged them in his name Mm. all of that leading up to that never made me want to stop gambling it really didn't and I almost went to prison I got a three-year suspended sentence and and some community service which is quite a a common thing over here, Uh, moved back to the UK. And at that point, given the fact that my sport career had gone down the pan because of gambling, I borrowed money from gangsters and was almost killed because of gambling, only from getting bailed out from a friend. Um, I should have, could have probably gone to prison because of my gambling. I missed my daughter's birth because of it. None of that ever made me want to stop. Actually, the catalyst for me and my rock bottom was six months after it, after I'd begged my wife and kids to give me another chance, even after all the things I'd done. They moved over to the UK from Ireland. and the 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 minute they went back to Ireland to visit her parents i ended up selling all of my kids toys and my wife's engagement ring because i needed to put money on a horse um i felt like at the time it was the right thing to do um i thought i would win enough money to to win it and buy buy the items back before she came home and clearly that didn't happen and then I ended up trashing my house and sitting on my sofa so angry, thinking I was the unluckiest man in the world, thinking that everything conspired against me and and actually when I ran out of steam and ran out of adrenaline from that time it was the first time and this was 14 years after I placed my first wager, really and won my first significant amount of money that I ever looked at myself and thought do you know what, this is this is so bad that it needs to stop because I could live with all the other things, but I couldn't live with the fact that I'd sold my four-year-old twin's toys to, sure. to place a bet on a horse. And that was, um, it was pretty bad, if I'm honest.
0: We're going to continue the story in just one second. You're listening to Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Happy to have Mark Potter on the phone. Uh, He's out in the U.K. right now, former professional rugby player and uh, compulsive gambler, as I am. And so, where we left off there, Mark, you had finally kind of reached your rock bottom. Uh, I guess a lot of shame involved with selling your kids' toys, selling the engagement ring, and basically losing everything all because of your desire to gamble. So I want to be clear. I can relate to all that. And I totally get where you're coming from. And I've actually walked the same path that you've walked from a standpoint of making really stupid decisions. Especially when you look back on it now with great clarity. One, one aspect of your story that I do think is important to tell uh, is that you did contemplate not waking up the next morning. That that was the way out. That that was for you, you know, the final day. And I wonder if you, if you mind walking us through the emotions of contemplating, you know, living, leaving your kids without a dad, and obviously your wife and all that stuff. When you uh, drove to the bridge and c- contemplated jumping off of it.
1: Uh, yeah, man, I, I remember it vividly. Obviously, I mean, I, I just obviously spent my last my last dollar, and I was sat in my house, which I'd completely trashed, and I just didn't know I think the things that were going on in my mind were I wanted to stop at that point, but I didn't know how I could possibly do it because it's all I'd done for the last 14 years. And equally, and probably worse than that, is I didn't know how I could ever look my wife and kids in the eye when they got home from the holiday and, and explain, given all of the things i previously done, what I'd done again. And that, that eventually was just a bit, I think it was a bit too much. And um, the day before they came back from the trip, I just got up one morning sat stirring at the wall and then picked up my keys and drove to a train station sat on the bridge and tried to psych myself up to jump off it and I remember sitting there for a couple of hours um, and actually there was a lot going through my head it, it, it was going through my head that I didn't particularly want to do it if I'm honest but I just thought that I didn't know how I could possibly deal with what I knew was going to come when they came home and I certainly didn't know how I could ever find a way of stopping gambling which essentially had took over the complete majority of my life for the last 14 years all of my adult life and that was the reason why I was sat there really Um, for whatever reason I genuinely tried to psych myself up to be able to do it and for whatever reason I couldn't and I ended up getting down and driving to my mum and dad's house uh and just going in and and apologizing to them and telling them everything that I'd ever done and I was sorry and I'd had enough but I didn't know what to do and I needed some help and I was really lucky that they were they're great parents and and they obviously were were relieved that I'd finally come to that decision that I'd had enough they obviously see for the last few years what I was doing wasn't great but didn't know didn't know what to do and how to help really And, and they just said thank god you've you finally got there and I'd explained where I'd been and I just said look I need some help um, and actually I went to bed that night and I always remember it because because gambling is so tough mentally for me, I, I, I never slept um, for about five years previous to to this day and it was a constant cycle of worrying about people finding out people realizing i hadn't paid bills hiding it from my friends partner whoever it was it was it was almost like a full-time job on the side it's and more than that out, <laughs> <don't> <laughs> oh, i'm with you on it's that so man um, i ended up oh, paying boy. the postman to not put mail through my door i ended up pulling the house phone cord slightly out of the wall so people wouldn't ring us and have some money. It was it was so difficult, but actually, when I went to bed that night after I got it all off my chest, I just slept like a baby for the first time for years. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up in the morning, my mum had rang a, a treatment facility, which I was really lucky to have access to because of through my sport, which is Sporting Chance Clinic in the UK, which is set up by a, a very high profile soccer player who was Arsenal and England captain, Tony Adams who had his own issues with, with alcohol. And he'd set it up for sportsmen that had issues with addictions and I went there for five weeks and I got everything that I needed to get to to be able to form a new path really. And I got counselling, psychotherapy, everything I had was sure. great. But for me, the biggest thing was understanding the reasons why I did what I did. And for me, through the sport, and you, you can obviously relate to this, it was I was so competitive that I hated losing. And when I took that into my gambling, it kind of came with it and, Every time when I won, I thought it was great. When I lost, I I didn't want to be seen as a loser to myself more than anything. And that sort of kept me going. I also obviously got injured, which meant I missed all of the things that I needed out of sport. And actually, all the things you need out of sport is very similar to what you can find with gambling, which was the competitive edge, the ups and downs of winning and losing, was really similar to what I found in the bookmakers. And actually, I think that filled a massive void for me for a while and then I obviously won a lot of money as a young kid and didn't know what to do with it didn't know what the risks were and actually learning to understand all that really helped me sure how um, do you
0: um, just have curiosity all these years later how do you replace the void because I, I assume you're no longer a competitive professional athlete so what do you do for uh, to kind of fill the need to compete and uh, you know to do those types of things
1: So I actually continued playing. After I came out of treatment, I actually continued playing rugby at a very low level at a local competitive, but non, obviously professional level um, and the reason I did that is because I wanted to go out of sport on my terms because I didn't previously and I never enjoyed it and actually the five years I had playing rugby after my treatment were the most I ever enjoyed it uh, because I could do it with a clear mind and since then I've continued to be involved in sport, I play golf I play some cricket um, my my boys love all sports and my daughter loves dancing I spend time with them but actually, I think the work that we do and the work that myself and Dan do now is critical in in keeping me going because I don't think um, I would enjoy or appreciate doing something that wasn't meaningful to me. And obviously, doing the work that we do now is sure. very much that. So I I love doing what I do. No, yeah. I think
0: the work you guys do is so important. You know, shows like this are important because, as you know, here in the states now, you know, the proliferation of legalized gambling means there's tens of millions of people, especially young men, you know, know, filled with testosterone and ego and competitive nature, are now going to gamble maybe for the first time. And there's a group of those men um, that are obviously going to wind up having some type of problem. You know, one of the things we talk about on this show, which is important, and I'm glad you shared your story because you had a 14-year run where gambling was everything and took over your life, and yet here you are now having conquered the addiction uh, and speaking out about it and life is good and you are married and you have your kids and you have, uh, I imagine, some level of uh, financial security that you didn't have during those 14 years. And I always try to emphasize that there's a lot of people that are at day one. that They acknowledge they've got a problem. Okay, I got a problem. How do I get help? And, you know, is there a future? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? So I hope you'd share just a thought or two for those people that are just starting their journey to getting help that, hey, you can figure this out and you can get help
1: important i think for those who are about to start gambling in in general um i would always advise people to do so knowing what the risks are and be fully educated about what that looks like and and very much advocate gambling responsibly or safely um for those that are sort of tipping the scales into the more dangerous abusive disordered zone of gambling i think it's look it's just about recognizing that what you're doing isn't healthy, being brave enough to ask for help, because that's, especially for, as you said, for, for young guys full of testosterone and eagle, that's not always an easy thing, um, to ask for help and admit that you've got that things aren't going according to plan and actually you could do with a bit of help and support. I think actually the more we, you do these shows and the more educational stuff that we do at Epic and the more high-profile guys come out and say, hey, actually, it's, it's okay to, to not be okay sometimes. And I think the more we can normalise this and and get it out into the open the more people will feel comfortable in coming to you with their own struggles and i think for me it's about being open and honest and even if you're gambling, it's about being open and honest with your gambling because that's what I didn't do for 14 years. Everything about it for me was secretive and yeah. it was about doing things behind people's backs or trying to win my way out of trouble or solve my own problems. And I'm, I'm sure you guys can relate Is when, you, when you're in the middle of a, of a problem gambling cycle, it's really difficult to solve your own problems. Um, so I think it's being open and honest, um, accessing any sort of educational material any sort of treatment support that you can. There's loads of things you can do. There's treatment. There's Gamblers Anonymous. Everything works different for different people. But it's try all those things out, see what works for you, and, and find a method and stick with it and, and just be open and honest. And because the more open and honest you are, the more people know about your struggles, yep. the harder it is to go back to them, I think.
0: And as I always say, and Dan and I talk about before we wrap it up here, uh, every one of us has a phone. And if you use it and call somebody, I don't care who that person is. It's yep. better than the alternative for sure. Well, Mark, listen, I appreciate you coming on sharing the story. I look forward to meeting you when you come out to the states and I agree with you. the more people, especially high profile people like myself, like you, other people that have a platform and an audience to speak to, uh we can uh you know get rid of some of the you know, untrue stereotypes of what gamblers go through and make it easier for other people to come forward and just be honest about their problems. And I'm with you 100% of that. And I appreciate your time today very much. Thank you for sharing.
1: Appreciate all that you're doing. Um, And thanks for having me.
0: That'll wrap it up for another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. We'll do it again next Saturday at 9.30. Have a great rest of your weekend. And thank you for joining us here on The Fan.